Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 9, Episode 35. I'm Jack. I'm Jay. I'm Stato. I'm ASD. That is one of the weirdest ways you've ever seen. I was going to do, you know, aka Mr. 50-50, aka your wife's nightmare, but then I I bottled it. (laughs) (laughs) Your wife's nightmare? (laughs) (laughs) Today's June the 1st, which is the 12-month anniversary of when Mm. we were in the Champions League final. Um, So we thought we'd spend the first part of this podcast looking back on what our experiences were on that day. Um, for those of us that were there, those of us that weren't, to just sort of look back and reflect on on what a unique day it was, even though we didn't get the result that we ended up uh, all hoping for. So, Stato, I'll, I'll come to you first for this. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you were and your experience of the, of the game on this time last year? Well, I flew out of Stansted on the morning of the game. Um, sorry, Gatwick. I do apologise, Gatwick. And I was... Um, sat there in the you know terminal waiting for our flight, and I just saw um, my wife's nightmare just walk, walk along the, the terminal, and, and there was ASD in his uh, Lucas Mora green shirt from the uh, uh, from the Ajax game. We and, didn't know, uh, did we, at all? No, no, we no idea. You were going on a jolly so. through work, um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I'd got tickets. We booked really early. So we booked our tickets before the semi-final um, when we beat Man City just on the off chance. So we got oh. them really cheap uh, and then spent, you know, a fortune getting home. But, um, that, so, yes, yeah, saw, saw ASD, thought that was going to be a really good omen. Um, good flight to Spain, none of the problems that lots of other people had. Um, and, yeah, we, we got to Madrid and just the excitement built. We decided to not go to the fan park because we'd heard, you know, not horror stories, but just... You know, you could take an hour to get a, a coupon for a drink and then queue for a drink. And we were like, well, look, we're here for the game. Let's make that our main focus. So we just went and got a bite to eat somewhere on the outskirts. And then we walked about three miles to the stadium and it was insanely hot. There was no cover and there was nothing outside the ground, was there? No. Yeah, no, it's, that's worth remembering is that we qualified the day after Liverpool. And so Liverpool booked up all the flights. Like on my flight out, it was Liverpool everywhere, every, yeah. everywhere in, in Gatwick. So yeah, there was a lot of Spurs fans who had a lot of problems getting there. My, see, my experience of the flight was different to you guys because I went on the club chartered flight. Mm. So we were looking, um, me and my dad, at all the different routes of getting there because obviously when we got through, all of the flights had gone pretty much, yeah. unless you wanted to spend, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds on the last remaining flight, which, you know, we're not in a financial position to do. Um, so we were at one point exploring the idea of flying to Porto the night yeah. before and hiring a car and driving um, from Porto down to Madrid because it was only about a five, six hour drive. So that was the route that we were going to do before the club then emailed out and said, you know, we're going to put on flights just for supporters that have bought their tickets through the club. Everything had to be verified and the checks were like nothing I've ever seen. So my flight out was brilliant it was just full of all Spurs fans with the mixed emotions of excitement fear and hope that you might actually go on and get the result um but that was great and then when I ended up landing in Madrid I've told this story before in the podcast one of my favorite Spurs memories and experiences ever um is we were then transported from what was meant to be the airport to the fan zone um by a club coach but they ended up dropping us at the stadium instead 
So we ended up being dropped there at about one o'clock in the afternoon. So this is like seven hours before kickoff and just sort of being in the middle of nowhere. There was nobody around or nobody that we thought was around. So we thought, oh, let's go up and have a look at the stadium. And as we wandered up there, that was when we had the pleasure of bumping into all of the Spurs legends that had had a very similar experience and been dropped at the wrong place. And Gary Mabbott was there trying to sort out transport for them to get to the fan zone. And whilst all that was going on, me and my dad had the pleasure of yeah, meeting so many of the Spurs legends, which was just for him, he was like a kid on Christmas. It was it was a, an amazing experience. Jay, tell us a little bit about where you were and the build-up for you on the day. Well, I'd, I'd, because we were having some renovations done to the house and it was my wife's birthday, I'd, I'd, I'd booked a weekend in Cornwall. And um, so I wasn't cancelling that because we had no kitchen here. So um, I, I'd, I had a lovely weekend in Cornwall. We spent the whole day, um, that day, that Saturday, we went to uh, we went to Morganport Beach. We went down to the Eden Project. It was absolutely idyllic. Um, and then we what we 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 found a lovely boozer in Padstow. Uh, what looked like a lovely boozer, as it turns out, it was full of bigoted um, Cornish Liverpool fans. Um, um, we didn't really know football the way we sort of watch football. Um, and and it, it it wasn't it wasn't the experience I'd hoped it would be, but uh, but to be honest, um, it, it didn't spoil the day. We spent the day not thinking about football. We spent the day thinking about ourselves as a family. Uh, we managed to get our minds firmly off the final um, because if we'd have talked about football or thought about football for too much, I think I would have strangled someone. So 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 it was a lovely day, but it was just it was just a bit bit. It was just obviously a massive disappointment the result but actually watching it in in that environment wasn't wasn't my favorite place um but penalty it wasn't a penalty <laughs> let's come on to that in a minute because now the, the stadium which is atletico madrid stadium was an, a newly built ground so as a fan going to this game i was expecting the stadium to be you know a, a pretty swanky um outfit but it was in the middle of nowhere. And for anybody that, that wasn't lucky enough to be there, the walk from the nearest metro station to the ground took about 25 minutes. And as, as you said, Stato, it was just, it was in the baking sun. It was it was chaos. And I remember getting there and we were queuing up to try and get in and there, there were police on horses going absolutely mad at the Spurs fans where I was, who literally were doing nothing trying to get into the ground. Um, eventually we did get in and the ground itself was one of the biggest dumps that I've been, I couldn't genuinely could not believe it. Um, it was just concrete. They run out of water before kickoff at the end of the ground where I was. Obviously, they weren't serving really anything in the stadium. Um, and then we got to our seat, and well, if you can call it a seat, it was just it was ba you basically sat on rubble where I was. We could not believe it. Um, so it was me, and my dad, and then we'd met my uncle out there as well, which was brilliant. And then I remember being in the ground before kickoff, taking pictures, you know, just taking it all in, and then seeing Stato walking along about 15 metres in front of me, which was an absolutely amazing moment. To have bumped into you in the ground was was just brilliant. It was a great moment. It's something I, I really fondly remember was yeah. was seeing you guys in Madrid. You know, it was something that we'd we could only have dreamt of. You know, Pochettino took us on this on this dream, and and it was the crowning glory could have been that night and it, it just didn't turn out to be. Um, but yeah, it was, it was special to, to spend it with, 
with you know great people. So to, to see you out there was genuinely a highlight, whether we'd have won or lost. I have yeah. to say. Can I talk? Can I tell you my my little journey? So obviously I met you, Stato. I was going out by myself because I was on corporate. Now I never, ever, ever go to Tottenham on corporate ever. Um, my rule is I I never go to White Hart Lane on corporate ever because I hate being away from the fans and I hate the the sort of formal atmosphere and being behind glass. So I you know, but it's just not what I like. I go corporate anywhere else, just not for yeah. any Spurs game. Um, and but this obviously, obviously, if someone offers me a ticket, I'm going to take it. So the people who went, I went with a company who the owner was a Spurs fan who I knew. I actually got the ticket because it was offered to an Arsenal fan who took it, but then offered it to me. So I got so that was uh, that was lucky. Um, so I but I flew out when they were already there. So they were they had already started drinking by the time I arrived there. You know, about two or three. Then it was a corporate do. So it wasn't like. We, we had a package, it was all built. So they had a, a restaurant book. So we went to the restaurant and they were going to wait until kickoff had started. So it was easier to get into the ground. And I was, there was one other actual Spurs fan there. And I was like, I'm not missing, I'm not missing this. I remember the inter the AC Milan, you know, the nil nil game. I was the first person in the stadium. I've got a picture where there's no one else in the stadium. I was literally queuing up outside the East, um, no, where was I? Yeah, East Upper. Um, to get in I was and I would do that for every game if I could so we left the restaurant early got a cab and went there just me and a one of the guys there it was it was cool uh met Kenneth Branner on the outside because he's a massive Spurs fan obviously yeah <laughs> I've not told you that <laughs> That's amazing. Sir Ken and um my ticket I had the most unbelievable ticket I was just behind all the rows of press it was all the so there was no people from any FA there but every ticket in the section I was in was for the different FAs so the the I think the six tickets I my me and my group had were all for the FA of Albania literally I've got it on the on this picture in front of me um I'm, I'm gonna see if I can show it to you on the webcam great listening but literally it says Oh, you you can't see it. I, I, yeah, look. yeah, see, yeah. The yeah. Football Association of Albania. Now, right. they got it and sold it straight away. So this is six hundred euros, and they sold it. I think it was for four grand. So they're making wow. yeah, quick cash. But I was I, the ground. I actually quite liked it. Right. So the story the cab told me, the cabbie told us on the way, on the way back, and I've got a good story about him. Um, was that it was actually planned for an Olympics bid or something twelve years ago, yeah. and so. They started to build it and they just took ages to finish. It's actually a 12-year-old stadium that they've only just finished. I actually quite liked it because it's, it's all obviously always baking hot there. It's quite nice lines. Um, it's very open. And it, it's it's actually what I want from a new stadium. It's just like you're there for the football. There's nothing else that's comfortable. You, and when you get in there, it's unbelievable. It is a proper cauldron, a proper atmosphere um, from where I was sitting anyway. Yeah, and I think what they were trying to do with that ground was recreate what their the Atletico's previous home was like. Yeah, and it was like that. The the Shente Calderon was an absolutely incredible stadium, and the noise. I went there for a game years ago, and the noise that they used to generate there was incredible. And it did have the same look and feel, but they'd obviously built this new one, sort of new one, sort of not new stadium, but it didn't have any of the character of what the old ground. Had. And I wonder if part of my memory is tarnished, obviously, because of the because of the loss. But the old ground just had character and class about it, and it felt like it felt quite historic. Tell you what, it reminds, it reminds me of obviously White Hart Lane and and the Emirates and Highbury and that. 
Um, and it, it makes me think, you know, the new Disney films, you know, The Lion King, The Jungle Book. Technically, they're very similar. Same story. It's yeah. got the same stuff, but it doesn't have the soul of the original. And it's the same for Highbury. It's the same for Spurs. And it's probably the same for these stadiums. It's, but it, anyway, I'm not going to start ranting because I go on forever about, I think, about this. Because I think, I think it's ruined for what or Spurs have changed now. But we'll talk about that anyway. But okay. can we ignore the game? Because it wasn't a pe- well, it was ruined by the penalty, um, and it was just a very boring game. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was just I don't know. Whenever I think about the game, and I've I've still not watched ever watched the highlights back, and I'd, I've no plans on doing that. But from what I remember in the game, I mean, it being a very tight game, there not been that many chances for either side, but us not seizing the moment. And there was a op- there were opportunities in the second half, and there were fans around me screaming it, saying they're there for the taking. And it genuinely felt at 1-0 if the, the, all of those players on the pitch, bar probably Harry Winks, who had a really good game, yeah. um, could have done more. And I think that was, for me, what left me feeling so sort of bitter at full time, which was you look at the superstars that we had and none of them, apart from Winks, could have left that pitch and said, I did my best, I gave my all. And I think quite a few of them were quite... Um, the, the occasion was just too much. You know, that game was an Ericsson game, wasn't it? You know, it's mm-hmm. it's quite slow. There's not a lot of pressure on the ball. You know, get on it and make something happen. And, you know, there wasn't the runs that Delhi normally makes. Kane wasn't fit. It was just, there, there were, you look, I look back on that game with a lot of regret. And I, I think that if we'd have gone there and lost 2-0 and been outplayed and Liverpool had just been the better side, but we'd given our all, I think I probably have accepted it a little bit more. But it didn't feel like that kind of defeat, which is looking back on it makes it seem so bittersweet. Can I? The, I've done a couple of the big sport occasions, right? I've you know I've done Ironman, I've done the hundred k ultra marathon, and there was I can very specifically remember that the ultra marathon was running from London to Brighton. This isn't about me, um, and how just amazing I am. But the point is, <laughs> there was. Um, I, I hadn't run a marathon before this, right? So, and I'm at the seventy six k. Um, station. We know we're 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 doing well. We're we're in the top thirty, I think, uh, of of three hundred runners. Uh, I'm broken. There's a photo of me, and like my legs, I cannot move my legs. I've got zero energy. We've done about twelve thousand calories by that point, and we've still got another twenty eight kilometers to go. Another more than half a marathon, right? And we had to run up Box Hill to then get into Brighton. Horrendous. But you know what? We did it. Because it's the only day we're going to be there, and I, I, I look at those players. You look Ericsson in the eyes, and you go, yeah. "Did you leave everything there?" And it's we always say this as fans. It's easy for us to say, but and it's you, you can see why they, you know, in a North London derby, they might not have the same passion as a fan. But this is the pinnacle of their careers. Yeah, you know, our Belgian boys, our Danish boys, they're never going to be in a World Cup final. This is the biggest thing that might ever happen to them. I just think that that's your approach to sport at any level, you know. And I think that you know, I played football at a much lower standard than these Spurs professionals do. But I have no, um, like, I don't support the team I play for on a Saturday afternoon. So it's like it's the same for me. But when you go out, I don't know. I just think it's something that you've either got or you haven't. And it's like if you're going to do something, you've got to do it. There's, there's no point being sort of half-hearted or, or not giving it your all because what is the point? You might as well not be there and let somebody, you know, that does want to give their all do it. So, look, Madrid was amazing. And I wouldn't, I, honestly, it, it's probably the best experience that I've ever had. One of the best experiences of my life, let alone watching Spurs and in sport. It was it was amazing. I think if it had have been the result that we'd have all wanted, I'd 
genuinely don't know what I'd really be feeling towards football and towards Spurs. Now, I don't. I know I wouldn't care as much because I'd, I'd be able to say that's the pinnacle. You know, I don't know if anything could have popped that. The whole journey with Pochettino, the rise of Harry Kane. I think yeah. if we had won that final, that it would have been a case of, you know, obviously you would have then wanted to have won it again, but it would never would have meant as much. Yeah. Uh, so at least we've still got that got that to hold on to that we haven't we haven't seen the pinnacle because I think about Man United a lot right in, in this situation if you were young and, and experienced that twenty year um, cycle of Man United of them just winning everything you know do they care now so I, mean, I, I don't know if I would I think if the next twenty years I saw Spurs win everything win a treble and then all of a sudden we become pretty average again I don't think I care ask a Wigan fan for after that FA Cup final. They'll, they'll be loving it ever since then. Um, the final, I've got, I'm gonna, I've got three things left. One, the um, I woke, so I went to bed obviously in the night after we had a little bit of a celebration just for having the occasion. Woke up, the people I was with had already left. They had an early flight that we didn't bother telling me, um, so I had to, and I had to fly to Milan and then back again. Um, and the cab driver on the way to the airport. Um, was like, I really like the Tottenham song, and sort of started blaring "Glory, Glory, Tottenham Hotspur" uh, on the way to the airport. <laughs> um, the other one was just the Liverpool fans. Like, there's a lot of bells on Twitter all, of all fans. We've got a lot of idiots um, on our on our side, but every single Liverpool fan, every single one was was top man, top woman, top mm-hmm. kid. Every single one of them, I loved them. Like after as we were walking back from the from the stadium, everyone was like, "Don't worry about it. it; just wasn't your year." You know, great match, all that sort of stuff. It was just great. It was a proper celebration of football. I've never had my mind changed more about a group of fans from one occasion. Well, that, that, those that making the effort to go know know what they saw. It's proper fans. Yeah, they're pro- proper fans. Know what they're watching. Yeah. Um, and they, they they know what they saw of their team, and they know what they saw of ours. So, cool. I think the facts speak for themselves. Jay, if if you a... could relive it again, sorry, mate. If you could relive it again, I'm talking mainly to Stato and Jack. Would you do it? 100%. No. I, yeah, I said so about a week later that I'd definitely do it again, even though if we lost, I'd do it again the following weekend. Just mm-hmm. because it was, it was like it was. The occasion was more than. Than winning it, you know, it was just, and I'm not being, you know, happy clapper, just glad to be there. No, 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 no. You know, it, this is Tottenham, yeah. our one season punching above our weight. And, you know, what are we about, the 14th best team in Europe last year? Not even now. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot that we've, you know, fought against to get there. Um, and, you know, we did it in my lifetime when I got to be there, and, and it was an incredible yeah. feeling. The anticipation, it's always, you know, the bigger the anticipation rather than the event, isn't it? You, I, I think. But yeah, yeah. I would definitely do it again, and I, I didn't expect us to win. I didn't think we would win, and that did make it a little bit easier when we didn't, because I've been to cup finals thinking we're going to win this, and then when you don't, you just you 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 feel so down about it. But I, you know, at the time and at the moment, we're probably playing against the best side in Europe, so it was like I didn't expect us to win. I had that hope that this could be it. You know, this could be the end of an amazing five, six year run um, with this special manager. But it wasn't to be, but it's not it's not the be all and end all. And the story about meeting the legends and I had a brilliant moment with my dad just before kickoff where the Champions League music had played and sort of all the fans were sort of cheering and we just turned to each other and hugged and were like, this is what it's about. And it's like moments like that. You're like, doesn't really matter that you didn't win. Not really. 
Yeah. Mm. Cool. Right. Shall we move on and talk about our all-time Spurs 11s, but with squad number rules? So yes. anybody <laughs> that listened last week would have heard Stato and I do our all-time Spurs 11s, but for squad players who have only worn numbers 1 to 11. So it would be unfair. And there were so many players that obviously missed out that didn't wear those squad numbers. So today we're going to go through our teams, but people that wore squad numbers 12 plus. So anybody in 1 to 11 is excluded from this. So um, ASD, let's kick off with you. Why don't you run us through yours? Okay. So at number 25, I've got Hugo Lloris, 12, 13, 13, 14. And I, the rule is that if we take in them at, the, at this number, then we then it's in that year. So Lloris was playing in his first two years with us. So I'm taking first two years. Lloris, I thought he was brilliant. He, I remember when we bought him and Brad Friedel was just playing and playing and playing. Absolutely nuts. Um, I think we'll have a very similar, definitely in the middle, I think I've got Woodgate and King, 39 and 26. I think we'll all have something similar. Um, yeah. I actually had 23 Sol Campbell in there. Partially. Oh, no, no, because it's when he was playing for Tottenham, when we loved him. We love, we hate you so much because we loved you so much. So you can shove your, yeah, your racism up, up your ass, the American police officers. And then I've got Ben Davis at left back, 33. And right that's back racist. was... That's racist. <laughs> You've only selected him because of his race. I have. Unconscious bias. It's not, conscious. it's conscious. He's a pure-blooded... <laughs> British person, you know, let's not get into this. Uh, right back was really difficult because obviously Oria at 24 is not getting anywhere near my team. So I've gone Chorluca at number 22 because he was a very yeah, solid choice. defender. Yeah. Middle two was easy. My, you can probably guess my first choice, number 14, Luka Modric. And number yeah. 19, Moussa Dembele. 23, Ericsson, 20, Delhi, And then I've gone 16, Bale. But he, he played number 16 for us in 07, 08. But I'm actually... Because of the rule where he has to be at the year, I'm thinking I'm going to swap him for 27 Mora, just because actually we're running low. And then I had Kane at 37 from 09, 10 to 13, 14, which actually might work, but actually I've gone 18 Defoe. And then I've got a bench of 12 Wanyama, 13 Vaughan, 15 Keane, 17 Sissoko, 29 Winks, 21 Foy. I like, I like 12 Palacios. Huh. Oh, he nearly made the cut for me as well, yeah. Tell us yours, Jay. Go on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, look, I'm very, very similar, but uh, but but Palacios got in there. Um, I actually had Crouchy up top. Oh, yeah, me too. Crouch. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great. What as as fifteen? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, and um, I had um at at I, I didn't I didn't have Chorluka. I had uh where is he now? Um, uh, at, at right back. <laughs> I Car had... Walker, 25. Yeah, I, was... oh, I missed Car Walker at 25. 28, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, sorry. I, do, I had his eye number in my mind. But... You could have had JJ for 28. Uh, I, I had Trippier, actually. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, I was going to put yeah. Trippier in. For a couple of years, Kieran Trippier um, was, was absolute dynamite. Absolute 16. Dynamite. Yeah, absolute dynamite. There he is, 16, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My problem with 16 was Yago Felke was also 16. <laughs> Tempting, isn't that? <laughs> did he even ever play? Yeah, yeah I think he did in the League Cup. Yeah, there was, was Gunter. Like, uh, 
I've enjoyed that though. That that you know, that look, good, it? down from 12, 12 and below is 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 superb. And I had Friedel in in goal. Yeah, I, I actually didn't spot that that Hugo was was had had a higher number. I didn't actually spot that. I had Gazaniga in, but then I needed. I had for twenty two. I had Gazaniga, Gilfie, uh in at different times, but then I landed on Troluca. Sorry. So Brad Friedel at the time was was I think. One of the best keepers we'd ever had. Love Brad Friedel. Absolutely we could have a, a proper, like, slow but solid free team, couldn't we? We could have, like, Friedel, Chorluca, Nelson, Fazio. Gallas, Fazio. <laughs> Huddleston. Huddleston. The lead in their boots, 11. Yeah. yeah. Boots. Huddleston was the 22, wasn't he, earlier on? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that next week. The slowest eleven and the most rapid eleven. That's yeah, right. That's, that's a good one. Do you want to do? Do you want to do your team? Yeah, just quickly. Um, I've gone with Ian Walker thirteen, uh, Chorloka Dawson twenty, yeah. King twenty six, Asuakotu thirty two. Uh, my midfield is Cranchart twenty one, Modric and Dembele. Got Christian Ziga number twenty three left midfield, and I've got Crouch and Klinsman number eighteen um, oh. up top. Not a bad strike force. I'll quickly do mine. Um, so I had goalkeeper 24, Brad Friedel. Back four, right back 28, Carl Walker. Centre backs 26, Ledley King. 20, Michael Dawson. Left back yes. 33, Ben Davis. Then my midfield, um, left hand side 23, Christian Eriksen. Two central midfielders 14, Luca Patrick. 19, Moose Dembele. Right hand side of midfield, I had 25, Aaron Lennon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my two strikers, I had 18, Jermaine Defoe, and 22, Robbie Keane. So fairly fairly similar sides. There were a few that we that we juggled. 14, yeah, 14 Modric and Ginola. And Eric Edman. That was uh, and Eric Edman and Shaw Van Der 25 was quite difficult because you could argue for Lloris, Adebayor, Rose, Defoe, and Lennon, really. Yeah. Across all of them. Yeah. 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 But some decent sides there. Um, it was announced this week that the Premier League is returning June the 20th. So what are your thoughts on football and sport returning, first and foremost? Jay, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I've had enough of a break from it. And obviously, I think, as, as, as I mean, look, we, 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 we are not talking about the hideousness of the circumstances under which, under which, um, the well, sport got cancelled, or sports was 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 put on hold. Uh, what what we're talking about here is 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 solely football. Um, I was I was praying for that United game to be to be postponed. I was I was absolutely convinced we that we had no chance of winning it. Yeah. I mean they they had their own fair share of injuries as well. Uh, Rashford was their was their key one, wasn't he at the time? Uh, who will be back? Um, but 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 looking at it in, in purely sporting terms, I think I think I think the break suited us uh, more more than any other Premier League side. Yeah, I probably don't disagree with that. I mean, if you look at the injuries that we had, and we've now got a fully fit squad, haven't we? There's not anybody that's that's not raring to go. And you know, yeah. just look on paper at just the attack of Kane, Delhi, Sun, Lucas, Bergwijn, Lo Celso, and Dembele. Like all of a sudden, you're thinking, actually, we've got. Quite a few options going forward. All of a sudden, we had a shocking injury. You know, um, yeah, Sissoko was just about to undergo surgery at the time. Yeah. You know, and he's back. And he, he's back. 
We've missed the sock to be like I know I know he's one that divides opinion, but we we ha you can see that we have missed his presence yeah. in the side. And and I think look, we debated it on on the WhatsApp group a little bit earlier. I think yeah, that there is there is yeah, people are still dying. I don't think they are dying to to the extent that we think they are. Um, I think there's that we we are we we should not believe um, everything that we read um, out of every news outlet and least of all Twitter um about death stats um it is it is it is time actually to raise um the morale of those that need it and actually and actually football will raise i'm i'm i'm, I'm optimistic that it will certainly raise our morale and then in terms of what we're expecting and hoping for the rest of the season stato what what, what are you thinking there do, do you think that top four is something or top five is it is it all it needs to be with City having their Champions League ban as it stands. I mean, we're seven points behind fourth, four points behind fifth. So is, is Champions League qualification a realistic thing for us to be going for now? Just imagine it's going to be really difficult. If you look at the first few rounds of games in the Bundesliga, um, I don't think there was a single home win in the first two rounds. I don't, I don't know what it's been since then. But yeah, so, you know, it's, it's going to be markedly different. Um, and my personal opinion is football shouldn't come back. And I just don't think that the, the players necessarily want it. Um, I don't think that the... It's it's all driven by money. It's all driven by cutting potential losses and having to pay back television money. Um, and I just think it's going to be rushed. Um, I would be... Um, I'd be surprised if it actually starts. It doesn't all go belly up in like, the week or two before. Um I don't think it's going to go to its conclusion, but I suspect it will be done for long enough to make a few things resolve, which is possibly what they're trying to do. I, I don't know what the agenda is. I just, I don't think it's important and I don't understand. My, my one example is, you know, that they're televising all the games so that you know people won't congregate, people won't. But it's not unreasonable to say that football fans are considered worse than the general public, would it? That's not an outrageous slur. Mm -hmm. And the general public are coming together en masse and not social distancing. So what is the expectation that football fans won't do it? And I'm not criticising if it's Liverpool fans that, that do do it, coming together to celebrate if they do win the title. I understand why they would want to do it. But I don't see that it's... I don't see it's in the public interest to do it. And I don't see that morale, uh, like Danny Rose said, what what a difference does it make to him, the morale of the country, if he's putting himself at risk? It's purely a financial decision. All the leagues that can't afford to do it are just scrapping the games because they can't afford the 140000 you know, for testing. Yeah. What, what guarantee is there that any games can be played? Like, if they finish this season, well, we might not start next season. We might have to close down as soon as it started. It, it all goes belly up again. I just, I personally would wait. Let you know if we have to play this season out. Next season, do that and truncate next season. Play everyone at home. You know, one game, not home and away. Something like that. Yeah. Why, why does this season have to be completed now? You, you, you do you think we're gonna? If we're talking about who qualifies for Europe, do you think the players are going to travel? Okay, supporters will be banned, but will will borders be open? Will will countries, if there's a second wave, will anyone want 
people coming from England to play. And this is the same as in sport, any sport, cricket, football, rugby. I don't think, look, I don't want to be a doom monger, but I, I just, I don't think it's the right time. You make some really compelling points there. I think it's irresponsible because we've seen Premier League players have COVID and so their families are at risk. Everyone they come into contact with families are at risk. There's no reason to continue apart from to entertain people, but that's not a priority over lives. Um, people do need uh, a bit of a G up, but I don't think this is necessarily the way to do it. Yeah, it's a headache. Should Liverpool win? They, they're going to win the title. Well, they were going to win the title and they need to find a way to conclude that. I think it's more interesting for the teams who are at the bottom because there's no clear defined ways. They need to... They need just to end the season without playing these games and restart it next season. I, I don't, I, I don't think this is a, a responsible way of doing it, and it is just for the money, and that makes me sad because we're sacrificing people for the sake of revenue. Um, you, arguably, what, what you've just said um, happens at a much more macro level. The, the yes. only reason, actually, for for lifting lockdown restrictions is to kickstart the economic side of our society, i.e. Yeah. our economy. Yeah. So you you could say, if, you know, if you're being militantly left-wing about it, it's all just for money. Yeah. yeah. Any decision to lift lockdown is solely for money. Yeah. 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 Because then, then there is a point at which, yeah, the, 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 the risk of, fur, of, of further death is lower than 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 the upside that you get from yeah and and i think those trade-offs have all been assessed uh, and will have been assessed um throughout all of this i don't i don't i don't i don't believe for one minute this government's got everything right um i also don't believe for one minute it's been the car crash that that has been widely reported yeah they've made a lot of mistakes um but equally they've got they've got a number of things right um, and, and what are we to believe anyway? We, we're going into the unknown, really. Um, I, it's got to start at some point, hasn't it? Not f- we, So I agree, you know, I agree with, with all of you saying football doesn't have to start at some point, is my it? point. Not, no, football doesn't have to start. It's not an essential at all. Other, there are other things that will serve the economy better, but it doesn't need to. This is Football doesn't need to start. Um, I think as well, if if you're looking at just football in complete isolation, so not looking at what's going on in the rest of society and, and, and all the other things that we've just mentioned there, if you're looking at purely football on its own, the integrity of the game will be completely gone because there is there is going to be a situation where a team is unable to field its fully strength side yeah. of what's happening. Watford. Yeah, and and, and what happens if you get to a point the last day of the season and there's a relegation playoff, which Villa West Ham's right at the end of the season. Let's say that's a game and the loser's down and Villa can only field two of their first 11 and the rest made up of academy kids. It's like that kind of situation might sound far-fetched, but there will be times where key players of sides aren't playing and that's that's not fair. And I know people can say, oh, but you'd have injuries in that during a normal season. But I don't think you can compare the two at all because it, in the case of someone like Troy Deeney, he might not even be ill, but he doesn't want to risk the the fact that he might be and it could affect his family. So I think looking at purely football in isolation 
it's it's absolutely madness that it's back and they're just trying to cram these games in for the to, to get the season finished. I can't I can't understand it and I agree with what you said, Stato. I'd be shocked if the season finishes. There's still nine or ten games to go. You're talking like a quarter of the season still to go. It's not as if there are maybe one or two games left and you could just quickly cram it in and it's done. Twenty five percent of the season, which is why the whole points per game thing just seems like absolute nonsense to me because it's a quarter of the season left. Um, but I do sympathise with the position they're in because whatever they do, there's going to be people that are upset. And again, I'm talking purely from a football point of view. There are going to be teams and players and supporters that, that don't agree with it. Um, so I sympathise for their position, but I just think that it seems mad for there to be such a rush at one, getting it back and two, yeah cramming all the games in like I like the idea of push next season back a little bit or, or do you no know, let's finish what we've started now properly and then we worry about you know next season what when we get there if we get there because like if you're looking that. at teams finishing this season say for example at the latter end of this year say for example October but with two or three players missing because the squad changed because contracts ended I think that will have less difference to the integrity of it than playing behind closed doors playing with um you know a, a squad where you've got a few players who might not be available or you know look at the german team the, the manager went out to buy some toothpaste completely forgot that he was supposed to be in a bubble and all of a sudden the team have to play a game without their manager yeah. now i okay, admit that's his own stupidity but what an impact that would have had yeah. And the reason I, I honestly don't think the, the likes of points per game work is you look at any team that's been dead and buried, you know, with six, seven games to go and have survived. Yeah. They pull that form out of nowhere. A team might win six of their last seven games, only having won two all season and survive. But that's what happened. That's what Leicester did the season before they won the league, didn't they? They had an un- unbelievable run that had no precedent for the earlier part of the season. But that's how football works. I agree. And I think you you look at, and again, this is from a Spurs point of view, our fixtures, we've played most of the big sides away and we've got, you know, we've got a few home games to go. And there'll be sides across all the leagues in England that will argue that they've played their toughest fixtures already away from home. They would have had these home games left. So how can you, you know, do a points per game because the fixtures haven't been in their favour and vice versa. There'll be sides that have had easier games and all their tough games still to come. But it's like Jay's point, sorry mate, on the um, on the government where some stuff they've got wrong, some stuff they've got right. Realistically, it's it's impossible to come to a right answer where everybody's happy. Yeah. Um, and I think Jay's point about you just have to weigh up the losses versus the positives. You might just have to just suck it up and get it done in empty stadiums for the sake of the sport and just make sure everyone's tested. And if anyone's ill at all, they're not allowed anywhere near it. And that's just football, right? Uh, I, I like the Tuesday the club. Outcome. Yeah. You know, the Tuesday club's back, you know, the Arsenal podcast. Yeah. Um, it is funny. And I do enjoy it because when they lose, it's, it's great. They suggested that um, Liverpool should be given a three quarter size Premier League trophy. And if they put a star above or whatever, they should just have a little asterisk next to it because they're going to win it. That's not important. Anyway, <laughs> But, you know, we also just don't know about this second wave, do we? No, no one no. really knows when it's coming, if it's coming. So what? when do you, at what point does Troy Deeney feel comfortable coming back? Yeah, I know. 
seen Troy Deeney as 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 almost a byword for for all of those players that aren't playing. You know, can can yeah. elected not to play, and I and I fully respect their decision. But but at what point do they feel it's comfortable? It's fine to play. What what it's hard, what, isn't it? It's what, hard. What, what indicator will they will they take as 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 one that that, that makes it fine for them to play? You know, you, you just don't know when. I think as well, if you think about it, in and we try to do this quite a lot, relate football as a job to the the jobs that we do. And if your company got in touch with you and said, right, we're opening the office on, we're opening the office tomorrow, are you coming in? You know, it's a very similar situation, isn't it, to players being told, right, we're playing games again, are you going to play? And it's like. If, if that happened to me, I don't know if I would feel comfortable going in, you know, and, and that's sort of the only way we can maybe try and relate to these players and the decisions they're going to have to make. But, you know, it's, it's a difficult time for them. But I just hope that I hope the season finishes. If it is behind closed doors, so be it. But I think if it comes down to points per game or, or any other mathematical calculation, I just think that will that will be a, a complete nonsense. Yeah. Um, Stato, you've done a quiz for us. Yes, the usual format. You're, um, you know, one to eleven from a game in history, and you've got to fill the gaps. So, as it's a year to the day from the Champions League final, I thought I'd pick our first ever Champions League game, the uh, qualifying leg against um, Young Boys at the Wankdorf Stadium in 2010. <laughs> and I'm going to give you. Pronounced. Sorry. Is that how it's pronounced? That's how I pronounce it. <laughs> so, first of all, I want the goalkeeper. Do you know what? Young boys at the Wankdorf with that tap. Was it? Don't uh, <laughs> switch with, it, with his moustache as well, Jay. It's not a good, it's not a good look, is it? So, this is, this is 2010, right? Was it, was it going? Yeah, ASD's trying to do the quiz. Yeah, come on, guys. You guys are trying to bury me for very ridiculous facial hair. So, it, first of all, I want the goalkeeper. Gomez. Correct. And I want the right back. Down. Are we not writing it down? No. You don't have to. Right back, I'm assuming. It wasn't Walker. Carl Walker. No. Alan, Alan Hutton. Alan Hutton. No, no. Oh, really? Choluca? Yes, Pedro and Choluca. So centre halves were Bassong and Dawson with oh, yeah. Benny at left back, yeah. who was replaced by Hud on 36 minutes. I couldn't even remember that. Uh, so now I want you've got Modric and Bale in midfield but I want the next two midfielders JJ no uh, Palacios Wilson Palacios yeah Wilson Palacios is one of them Lennon no I mean on the right surely he's on the right but oh, not sorry. Lennon uh, Wilson uh, Cranchar Cranchar uh, no wasn't oh, we hadn't signed Rafa by then We'll go for the strikers and let you think about that. So, obviously, there was someone who scored an epic goal, and that was Have. Pavlichenko. But who played alongside him? Crouch. Crouch. No. Huh. Crouch was an unused sub. Keane came on as a sub for this player. Did he? Darren Bent? No. Defoe? Yeah, Domain Defoe. Yeah. yeah. So uh, right. someone, like, someone random like Kyle Norton. No, but more random than Kyle Norton. Oh, was it was it Dos Santos? It was Giovanni Dos Santos. Good work. Good call, Jack. Good call. Yeah. 
I'll tell you why I remember, because when I was in, I've told this story sometimes, when I was in Florida and we found this rotten bar of the game on and we yeah, walked yeah. in and we were 2-0 down and the first clip I saw was the Santos on the ball just thinking, why is he even playing? You know, not why are we 2-0 yeah. down, why is this man playing in what is one of the biggest games we've had for years? So, so I, um, we, 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 lost, we lost that one, didn't we? Three, we were 3-0 three, down. Yeah, we lost 3-2. Um, and then we got we got back to three two and then we stuffed them didn't we? Was that four? Yeah. Crouchy, Crouchy four nil. Yeah, we yeah. hammered them in the home game. Was it three nil after about half an hour? Was like yeah, we, one of them yeah. was offside. Penalty as well, I think. But for the first game, I went and watched it with a friend who's a West Ham fan. Oh. And I had for my youth mm. um, a Sabutio version of the uh, European Cup, which and you know, maybe oh, an God. inch and a half, two inches tall. And I took it and blue tacked it to the top of his really narrow telly, which is why I'm glad I bought the blue tack. Because I thought it would easily stand on the telly. And I was like, well, you know, as a West Ham fan, Mike, this is something you're never going to get to see. So I bought the trophy for you. And, um, yeah, 3-0 down, I just went and put it in my pocket. And he was like, well, that proved to be lucky, didn't it? That's a great Another classic, Stato shoots his mouth off and uh, blows his wad too early. <laughs> That was great, though. I love those quizzes. It's just mad, isn't it, to see how much the team's changed and how much better we are versus that team that first took us into Europe. Yeah, it's mad. Wasn't that long ago, was it, really? Ten years ago? No. Not at all. And and Champions League's gone in in that, in that, in that, in in a, you know, relatively short decade. You know, decades aren't a long time from being an absolute honour and a privilege to this year feeling like an entitlement. It, yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm certainly going into these last seven or eight games with a full strength squad, thinking, well, I should be, we, sh- we should be perfectly entitled to feel like we can qualify. Yeah, it's mad isn't it? when you put it like that, Jay. You, you forget, don't you, about where we were not so long ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ten years is not a long time. I just, I think the hardest part would be if we did manage to finish fifth, and then City managed to buy a result in the the court of arbitration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's you know, I appreciate it's going to be really difficult for them, but yeah, yeah, it would be a bad way. It would be. Yeah. Would, would that would that be worse than the Chelsea? I don't think it would be, would it? It'd be no. on a par. Whatever happens to to not. I mean, at least we would have finished outside the top four, and you know, yeah. the start of the season, you wouldn't expect it. But yeah. um, no, if I'm honest, I don't think it'll be our issue. Yeah. yeah. I don't think anyone will have that level of consistency if if the games are played. I just I don't think anyone will have that winning streak that will will see them, you know, come from where we are. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't disagree with that to be honest. How do you even motivate teams to go out and fight in a what looks and feels like a training game? That's the problem. I mean, I've I've always been a fan of German football. The atmosphere, and I don't want to be patronising. I'm I'm really not like a hipster, and you know, but it, it is the yeah. embodiment of what the German game is about. Is that interconnection between the fans and the players? Look yeah. at how yeah. even the the Dortmund the, the first game I saw, the Dortmund players went and did the clap to the yellow wall. You know where they all join arms and and yeah. did the, and they did it to an empty crowd. Because it's what they would have done. They, you know, they would have done it to that end of the ground. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. 
That's yeah. a bit weird, though, isn't it? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, you've got, was it Borussia with Gladbach have got the printouts? Yeah, that's good. There's yeah. a Korean team who accidentally used sex dolls um, yeah. to fill the crowd. Um, I think there's an Aussie um, NFL, you know, the rugby out there, and, and somebody had uh, done a picture of Dominic Cummings. So he was at an NRL <laughs> game. That is good. That's brilliant. Like that. Oh, Gents, it's always a pleasure talking to you about all things Spurs. So, look, looking forward to the season coming back in the next few weeks. And whatever happens, remember, future's bright, future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football. And I always thought that football was a very important game. But I never realised until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy, and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2. It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next. We are Blancheflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.